Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Beardy and the Geek. My name is Emmett Okuna and with me is... Ryan Huff, as always. How are you tonight, Emmett? I am very good. I am very good. It's it's going to be a great show because we are doing something different. We're going to be doing a bit of reviewing. Going back to our roots here, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, this is where it all started for us, you know, because before uh, before we could actually get people to talk to us, we had to review things first. <laughs> we thought maybe we'd st- take a step back and do that again um, because we actually do have a number of interviews coming up very shortly and this is a placeholder app as well as a proper review app we want to get something out but Supernova Melbourne's coming up and Caravan of Comics which we're going to be talking about tonight is coming up and we want to give these guys their due as well so it's going to be a bit of Toing and froing between different interview subjects, but in order to get it all together, uh, we want to put this out first so that there is at least an episode for early April, and then we'll see what we can do throughout the month. Um, so tonight, Ryan, you are going to be talking about Winter City. Indeed, number five. Winter City number five. When one of these comics drop, it's always an exciting time because it's a great bloody book and we've been supporting it since the beginning of this show Um, I'm going to be talking about the screening of footage from the Deep animated show which was on uh, Saturday the 23rd of March here in Melbourne in All Star Comics and it was a great afternoon, Tom Taylor James Brewer getting to stand in front of a room full of people and talk about seeing their comic come to life and be translated into a cartoon form, which is wonderful and then uh, I'm going to review Hayden Fryer's Darkest Night, um, which is shortly going to have a second chapter, so I want to get the word out about this book. And finally, Caravan of Comics. I think that's a full ticket. I think that's a pretty full ticket. I mean, uh, we're going to try and squeeze it into half an hour if we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, if we can't, I'll just edit out that bit. Not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, well, um, let's get started. Winter City, what were your thoughts? Latest issue. Alright, Winter City number five, it dropped uh, perhaps two weeks ago now. Mm. Um, we've got the same crew on board, so we've got the Purcell brothers, we've got uh, Pablo and David as well. We we already know that we love Winter City. I mean, that's that's kind of a given at the moment. You know, it's it's just one of those books that... You pick up the first issue and you, and you don't particularly have high hopes. Sorry to to say, guys, but you know I I sort of I picked it up and I looked at the cover and I thought, oh, this, this is going to be a spawn knockoff. Flick through it and I was blown away. You know, it's it's one of those books that just it's gone from strength to strength. And, and as much as I was blown away with that first issue, each subsequent issue has gotten better. I I don't know how they're how they're doing that. Although when we did speak to Patrick, we understand why that's happening, because mm. the guys have got a lot more time on their hands, and uh, it's it's allowing for them to spend more time in the book and then actually get them out a bit more quickly as well. But in this issue, we actually get to see a bit more about Sam Winters uh, back at age twelve, and we see a bit more about how he got to the point that he got to. You know, which we haven't really seen before. What we've seen so far is just this sort of pseudo uh, supernatural character, but haven't actually seen the heart behind it. And this time we do see the heart, and the heart's actually quite quite black and horrible. Overall, this is a fantastic issue. 
Um, have you managed to flick through it yourself yet, Emma? Yeah, I absolutely loved it again. And one thing I think was very interesting, and you, uh, it's good for you to mention it there, was the flashback to young Sam once again. And previously his relationship with the relation who's been raising him has been an entirely abusive one. Mm. And while it's clear it's still an abusive relationship and it's still a horrible uh, household and horrible environment that he's in, at the same time, we can see that some of the man that he becomes is dri- is directly influenced by uh, some of the moral teachings this guy's been giving. Well, I say moral. You you can. I think you can hear my quotation marks. Some of what things he's been saying to him as a young boy actually are taken to heart, and I thought yeah. that was really interesting. And I think some of the uh, along the way we've seen this monster of a character. Um, you know, we, we've seen the the guy in the cloak with the skeleton face and, and sort of the scary green eyes. But what we see is that it's actually, there's a man under there. Mm. Uh, and there are some real human qualities that are coming out. Um, what we also get is a bit more uh, fleshing out of the detectives that are working in the background there and sort of hints towards a, a bit of a larger role that they're going to play further down the track. So overall, like it's it's just... It's awesome. Like it's a really good comic book. Each and every issue is fantastic. And I mean, you're talking about five dollars off the shelf at your local comic book store. And as much as I'd love for this to be out monthly, I'd hate for them to drop their quality. So you've sort of got to take the good and the bad with that. I'm I'm happy to wait. It is it is going to be wonderful to see it collected. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once they've done with the entire run, to see this in a a collected book would be fantastic. And I mean, I actually, I'd love to see them when it is all done, sort of do a, you know, I'm not going to bring up the crowdfunding thing. I know there's always going to be arguments about that, but it'd be great to see, you know, a a crowdfunding thing to get this collected into a, a trade paperback. What would be even better would be to see this farmed around and actually see one of the, uh, one of the other publishers like you know image or or the yeah. like um pick it up themselves well look that's a that's a tangible prospect because if you look at the reviews of winter city online a lot of them are from international comics websites and you know it's great to see that the book's getting out there and that's the brothers personal and their hype machine in full gear but fair play to them they're getting it out there and they're getting people to talk about it which i'm really excited to see because it's a great example for everybody else you know, here's what you could be doing. Yeah, and it's it's a good thing, I mean, for me, it's a good thing for me to be able to uh, read those reviews as well and say, well, it's not just because I'm, you know, a patriotic Australian comic book fan, it's actually because this is a great comic on its own merits. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I guess if, if we were to uh, move on, <laughs> we are going to keep, trying to keep it tight, uh, the Deep by Tom Taylor and, and James Brewer, once again, something else that's receiving some international acclaim, and it is, it is also something with global appeal. Yeah, it is. It's. Uh, I mean, I, I think everyone's well versed in how much I can I can bang on about the Deep and how much I love the Deep. Um, I mean, just recently uh, I've uh, been a guest on, a, on another podcast to talk about the Deep and a guest on the Kapow Comic Book Show. Uh, Google that one, kids, uh, just to talk about the Deep. So, I mean, it's quite obvious that people understand I'm a, I'm a big fan. But um, one of the most exciting things, as you were saying, with the global appeal, the Deep is getting animated. 
and we're not talking animated by you know some um, some backwater place in the middle of uh, I don't know. Where's like the I want to see I want to say bum f Idaho, but where could I say in Australia? Yeah, yeah. You, uh, let's some, just say that. Let's just say the back of Burke. Yeah, <laughs> there's uh, some shed somewhere in Ultimo. The ABC yeah. are renting. You know, they got no. they got a bunch of teenagers doing the animation for them. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, but this is Technicolor. This is a massive multinational yes. com- company. So, um, I mean, I'm. I'm thoroughly excited, and I can't think of many books that would be um, better transferred to celluloid. Now, yourself, um, being our Melbourne correspondent, uh, you went along to All Star Comics and checked out the footage and uh, had a couple of highlights from the fans that were there. What what can you tell us about that? Well, look, I have to be honest with you. I didn't give a toss about the footage. I didn't give a toss about the books on sale. Sorry, everyone. I just wanted the cupcakes that the guys at All Star made of them. Oh, yeah, they look great. <laughs> oh, I, I, I smell them from a few blocks away, and I was... I'm joking. I, um, I, it was a thrilling experience to see the deep uh, animated. It was wonderful. There, there was a very short sequence shown. It, uh, it featured Ant in being pursued by some unknown threat. We just know that trouble's coming. And what I, what I really loved about it, and this was all about setting up the mood of the show and what kind of family that we're looking at here and the kind of adventure series that this uh, show is going to promise us, is that Ant's arrival is immediately anticipated. Okay, what's coming? What the, okay, what is it? <laughs> Something's coming, you know, you're obviously... And, and he's trying to uh, avoid responsibility. And it was just a lot of banter, uh, a lot of warmth. Um, this is a story about a family who fight monsters and love each other. And that's a really interesting premise. Um, it reminded me a lot of sort of how I felt reading Tintin growing up, where you have this kid traveling around the world having these absurd adventures but it's still good-hearted and it's still you know it's intelligent it's well written it's well put together but at the same time it's an adventure that children can enjoy and that's that's a, a great thing to see and just just before we go any further uh tom taylor was emceeing on the afternoon and as anyone who's seen him knows tom taylor can talk that man can just talk at the top of that. And he stood up and he dedicated the deep to his own kids, to his own sons, and talked about how he wanted to make something that his sons could enjoy. And it was actually really powerful. And it was this really lovely message to put out there. Here's something that kids can watch and enjoy. And isn't it so strange that that's a rare thing now? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'll have to admit that I'm slightly disappointed he didn't dedicate it to me. Um <laughs> But that, that's okay. If it's his own kids, then that's fine. If it was someone else's kids, I'd be bitterly disappointed, but uh, that's okay. I'll let that one pass. Like you said, the thing that I love about The Deep is that it's not it's not a kid's comic, and I can't imagine it's going to be a kid's uh, animated series. It truly is an all-ages book, mm. you know, and uh, and... There was a big thing a little while ago in international comics. We we're talking about three years ago, where people were going on about all ages comic books and how great they were. And I mean, Chris Somney, he he does he has done some great all ages books. And Thor, he, that is a fantastic book. Thor, the Mighty Avenger, is one of the best all ages comics you can it's get. Brilliant. Um, now that that was an all ages comic, although 
that it does have physical violence in there. Mm. So, I mean, you, you couldn't necessarily give it to any age. You know, you, you've still got to think, well, there is violence in there and you want to teach your kids that the violence isn't okay. So you probably couldn't just give it to any kid and walk away. With the deep, you could literally give it to any child at any age and walk away and and you'd be safe in assuming that they're, they're not going to grow up to be a, an axe murderer. <laughs> you know? Because we all know that that's what happens when you read violent comic books. <laughs> Why there's so many axe murderers out there nowadays. Just to give you an, uh, some insight into the afternoon, there was this lovely moment because Taylor's family were there. And there was this bit when uh, the, the footage started and the elder son shouted out, don't let him see the monster. <laughs> <laughs> They're prote- he was protecting his younger brother. He, he, he obviously absorbed some of what his dad has been saying about you know what we show our kids and what we can share with our kids and uh, the responsibility Taylor felt towards producing something his kids can enjoy. Because it's it's really interesting to note that like he's writing this phenomenally successful book for DC Comics. Injustice, which yeah. is it's supposed to be, you know, it's one of these things get, that gets dismissed as, oh, a video game tie-in. You know, there's been a few of them. Um, recent years, they haven't done that well. Tom Taylor has taken a similar kind of book, a uh, video game tie-in book, and he's produced something that everyone's talking about. It's this epic, you know, it's it's racing up the bestseller charts. It's doing phenomenal business. He can't give it to his kids, you know. Yeah, that that's another big thing. I mean, it's... Um I couldn't imagine giving injustice to any of your kids, and I have heard mixed reviews. I mean, I, I read it, and I, uh, I've read the first few issues, mm. and thought it was a bit of fun. You know, mm. it's you can obviously tell that he's having fun with it because he's writing outside of canon and can just go absolutely, you know, crazy with it. But um, but the deep, on the other hand, is just it's delightful. And you did say that there was a big contingent of uh, of children there, and and that to me that makes me so happy because. A lot of the time, there's just um, there's so much doom and gloom in comics, and it's sort of it's us thirty year old hairy men that go into the comic shops and buy them. It's good to see that there is still the potential market after us. You know, comics aren't just for us. Yeah, I, I saw mothers there with their kids, and there were being there was a documentary being filmed about Gestalt. A mother was being interviewed by an about. The Deep, and she made the point that, you know, I love that this is an adventure that my kid can enjoy and that I can enjoy. You know, and that's it. And that's what this is about. Um, not excluding your children or adults from a comic. It's a very simple idea. Yeah, and not having to buy two comics, not having to buy <laughs> one for your kids and one for you. You could have both, you know, like it's... Mm. But but one thing, I've, I've used this uh, example before, and I've sort of said that the deep is, there's a lot of junk food out there, but the deep is just, it's wholesome, good quality nourishment. Mm. You know, like it, it just feels good for the soul. You read this thing, and, and Tom Taylor, he, he packs a whole lot into this book without being verbose as well. Um, I mean, being an all-ages book, you don't want it be, to be too wordy. Um, but that also says a lot about James's artwork. The mm. fact that he can convey so much in one panel, two panels, um, and and especially when you're talking about the first volume, and there's just vast expanses of blackness. Yeah, and yet he still conveys so much in those those few panels. Taylor made no secret of it on the afternoon. He was just saying, 
he just got down on his bended knee and just thanked Brewer for what he did. Um, you could, cause he, he just, his art is so amazing and it's so characteristic and, and, and once again, there's this warmth. You immediately know that these characters are good characters. You immediately know that these characters love each other as a family should because of the expressions he gives them. Uh, yeah. that, that's quite beautiful. Yeah. And it's that family setting that we all want, you know, like we've, yeah. we've all had these crazy ass families. Well, at least I'm speaking for myself. Oh, yeah, me too. Irish family. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, I mean, this is a family that they honestly love each other. And it's not just the Nectons, but, I mean, it goes towards the, the extended family as well. You know, they pick up the crazy-ass sailor along the way. And mm. um, they've got Jeffrey the fish. You know, you've got to have faith in the fish. <laughs> it's, um, but, yeah, I mean, Brewer's art is fantastic. And you read through this thing and you immediately think this has to be animated. Yeah, yeah, and uh, look, I just I think it's important to note as well that Brewer himself uh, sort of to speak, and he's a very retiring source, he seems, um, but he, he he said exactly what needed to be said, which was he made a point of thanking the animation teams, uh, stressing how much work they did uh, in a very narrow time frame. Um, and they're based out in Bangalore, and he was talking about all the good work they did. He was talking about all the artistic suggestions they made, uh, including, well, he compared a, uh, he actually showed some roughs, design roughs from the production, and he compared some of the vessels that they were delivering to him as being uh, influenced by Blade Runner. He saw them as being comparable to Blade Runner, which well, that's quite heady stuff, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, the, the design aesthetic in that film is still cutting edge. It's still a beautiful looking film. And that they are riffing on things like that is just great. So it was, um, really good to see not only that the two lads are a great collaborative team, but they've brought that spirit to this new production. And also Tom Taylor, I think he's, I think he said he's senior script editor or senior scriptwriter, I, I can't remember offhand, but he, he's involved in the show and in working on the scripts and Brewer is of course working with the animators as well to combine the style of the comic with an appropriate style for an animated show which brings the best out of both. So it's that was fantastic to hear. Yeah it is. I mean it's these guys they obviously work well together because the book just works. Mm. You know, it's it's a great book. Uh, when I say it is a great book, I mean both volumes are great. I actually think that the second volume uh, adds a whole lot to the to the universe, um, and, and that's what it is. They're sort of just in two volumes of we're talking about eighty page um, graphic novels. They've built sort of four characters that I've already fallen in love with, that I can't wait to see more of, and uh, I mean a lot of the time. Books don't manage that in in three to four volumes. Mm. So no, this is definitely. I mean, Winter City for me, that's a must buy. Everyone should be buying Winter City. Everyone should own a copy of The Deep. I mean, Gestalt really can't seem to do anything wrong at the moment. <laughs> no, all of their books are great, and they've got such a varied range of books available as well. There's got to be something that you like in there. If you picked up all of the Gestalt books and you just said, no, don't like it then comic books aren't for you. Mm. You know? Yeah, I, I, I think I've blown my chance at stardom, though, Ryan, I'm afraid, because uh, I was approached by the film crew while I was there, and they yeah. asked if I would go up to Tom and say something really enthusiastic 
and I was like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I went up to him, and of course I just started chatting to him. Did you run up to him and say, are there any more cupcakes? <laughs> Where's the damn cupcakes, man? <laughs> no, I just started talking to him about, um, um, about how I was looking forward to giving the deep to uh, my younger relatives, you know, here in Australia. And, um, and I, I was really looking forward to getting this book out there. But I, I wasn't, I didn't say anything particularly interesting. <laughs> I think I just started talking about rombies. So I doubt I'm going to be in the final cut of that movie. There's, there's nothing too inspiring in there. You never know your luck. <laughs> they have a silent sequence of this looming Irishman looking vaguely threatening. But then again, they may not understand what you're saying either. This is true. Yeah, they can always put subtitles in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving right along now to Darkest Night. This is one that, uh, that I understand is this is your baby. You you can take it from here. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, Hayden Fryer. I've been seeing a lot of his work recently. He was involved in. Oh God, I'm going to say it again. Lida Kane. He's involved in that. He contributed one of the pieces to it. And also, I've seen his stuff with Darren Close's excellent Oz Comics community page, which, if you if you haven't listened to our interview with Darren Close, is a fantastic opportunity for artists to get feedback and constructive criticism of their work. Hayden has produced. Uh, through his own company, Siberian Productions, uh, a book called Darkest Night, and it's the one I've got on hand is the first of three chapters, and I happen to know the second chapter is coming out soon. Um, it's described as a tale of love, revenge, and death, and it just so happens that this one is titled Love, so I guess we've still got death and revenge coming up. So it's actually what I like about this story is like Hayden does the plot, Hayden does the art, it's uh, all in one package. What I like about the story is that it's set in this very ordinary Australian suburban uh, environment. Uh, you've got this young couple who have just gone through a breakup, a uh, breakup by text, which is, oh, burn. Caleb has been dumped by his girlfriend Carly. She's moving on, she's trying to be happy. He's fixated on the uh, broken relationship and he just can't get over it. And even though his mates keep trying to cheer him up, and you know what you do when you go through a breakup, you know, your your mates having a hard time, you go, oh man, she was a, she was a horrible person. <laughs> I said, oh, I was gonna, someone, who says that? I was going to say a different word. <laughs> I just stopped myself. This is a oh, she's oh, so She's a jerk. <laughs> um, you know, he's, he's this really intense young man. So that's not going to work on him. And he, he's still fixated on getting back together with her. And then this horrific tragedy, which I don't want to spoil, happens. And that complicates things emotionally even further. And it's looking as if this is going to accelerate in the next chapter. Um, I really like the sense of foreboding. I really like the ten- the intensity of the story, not just due to Caleb's emotion, but you get the feeling that something's coming, something's coming. The book's called Darkest Night, so obviously this is not a tale of sunshine and rainbows. I love the ordinariness of the story. I love how his art... He, I don't, I, I could be wrong, but I'm detecting a bit of Bobby N influence in there, where you've got these sort of almost rubbery looking people, 
Um, that's but, no, that's in no way a bad thing. In my no, opinion. no, it's it's in a very interesting style. I like it, and it does convey that this is this is your typical everyday setting. Um, you're not going for hyper realism. You're not going for glamour. You're going for ruddy cheeked, <laughs> slumping teenagers. I uh, I really like how there's this emphasis on phones. That the mobile phone is this constant presence in the story. People are always looking at phones. They're always scrolling through their phones. One character seems to be going out with Grant Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> there is a close-up of a phone address list, and it's Grant Morrison's name of the boy that this girl is going out with. Which I was <laughs> Grant Morrison is made into an Australian comic. <laughs> Surely there's a Grant Morrison somewhere in Australia. This is this is his latest hyper sigil. <laughs> Hayden Fryer is actually a figment of Grant Morrison's imagination. He's transcended the paperverse into the real world. No, it 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 honestly is a well-paced, um, very interesting story that seems to be going places, and uh, I can't wait to see the next chapter. That's great. I mean, it's you know, it's not not the usual story, that's for sure. But at the same time, it is because it's a story that you could very well hear every day. It's it. it I suddenly remembered all the anger and frustration and the jealousy and the envy and all those emotions that you have when when you're younger and uh especially it it feels so heightened because that person was the most important person in the world to you and then it didn't work out and you're like oh damn I'm going to kick a wall <laughs> but um unfortunately this guy is not letting it out can I just say, if I was ever to break up with anyone, I want to break up with you. It sounds reasonably pleasant. <laughs> oh, how was I doing? He's kicking a wall over there, so he'll be fine in a few minutes. <laughs> just... Oh, he's a jerk. I'm going to kick a wall. <laughs> he's a jerk. Kick this wall. <laughs> Take that wall. That is what I like about this. It's very relatable. It, it is something which is close to a teenager story. And it feels true to life. And that's, it's good to see someone like Hayden, you know, putting out, uh, a work like this early in his career. I think he's going places. Um, that manages to be quite sincere and genuine. That's fantastic. And I mean, from, uh, just from my very brief dealings with, uh, with Hayden, just on the, uh, on the Twitter sphere and, and all that sort of crap, um, seems like a really nice guy too. I mean, uh, I mean, everyone is. Everyone in the in the Australian comic book scene is. I've never had a, a bad dealing with anyone, except for that one jerk. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that <Listen>. Emmett. <laughs> that was his name. He had a funny accent. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, yeah, yeah. There you go. Anyway, two thumbs up from me. Hayden Fryer's Darkest Nice, well worth checking out. And uh, yeah, I think I think he's he's going places. He's he's going to be delivering something very good. Now, in your future. speaking of going places, mm, nice. Uh, you like that one? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm always tempted. Whenever I say caravan of comics, I'm always tempted to say caravan of courage. Ah, oh, yeah. Of course, a, a, a reasonably terrible telemovie based <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. Mind you, I, I do own it on. Uh, Betamax and, and VHS and DVD. That's but anyway. the Ewoks. That's the Ewoks film. Yeah, it is. I had that on VHS. I went on a quest to find that when I was ten. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was bad, but it, it was good. Now, um, so the Caravan of Comics. Mm. It's it's actually kind of. It's kind of 
not not so much confusing, but it, it's something completely different to what we've we've experienced before. Uh, well, what's your understanding of the Caravan of Comics? It is pretty straightforward. Yeah, um, but there is something I want to say about it. Um, first, just to give folks a pre-see, uh, Caravan of Comics, there is an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign going at the moment to uh, pay for Australian comic artists, Australian cartoonists to go to America. Uh, they've got a series of uh, dates in Toronto, Montreal, Seattle. And they're going to be spruiking for their own work as well as Australian comics generally, letting Americans and Canadians know, hey, there's this whole other scene down here. It's pretty cool. Uh, you should check it out. It's like Bon Destinée, but they speak English. Um, <laughs> going along, we have got uh, Scarlett Pacini, who did Zombalette, which is a great, great book. Filthy. I love it. Um, Miranda Burton, uh, who did Hidden. Uh, Marika Gooding, Strange Behavior. Uh, Patrick Alexander, uh, who's been featured in Dark Horse Presents, but also Raymondo Person. Uh, Gregory McKay, who we spoke about for our Christmas episode. Francis Bear, one of the great reads, uh, of recent months. And he was actually, he's a previous, uh, goer on this caravan. He was involved in the last one in 2012. And Daniel Hayward is direct, is filming this occasion. I think he's going along for the ride. Uh, he's going to be showing This Is Roller Derby in Austin while he's in America, but he's filming the, uh, the adventures of these folks. And I don't know if we're going to have a sequel to Graphic Novels Melbourne, which is his film with Bernard Calio, but, um, that was part of that movie was seeing a bunch of Aussies, um, Heading over to America and uh, checking out the scene. Mandy Ord, Pat Grant, David Blumenstein, they're among them. Um, and finally, but not least, Bruce Moutard. The driver. He seems to be the driver. He seems to be the elder statesman of the group. Uh, because not only is he going to these conventions with them, he's also presenting ac- an academic paper in the States while he's there. Uh, and all the details are available on the Indiegogo page, and we'll include the link here in this post. I... Um, I'm really interested in this because while we promote and advocate Australian comics here, um, you do get this sense that people look down on Australian comics because it's a backwater. Oh, Australia. Oh, well, it's down there. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. America's where it's at, or France is where it's at, or Japan is where it's at. We seem to be lagging behind, even though as Ryan and I have been trying to convince you for a number of months now, there's some fantastic work out there and some great publishers doing some great work out there off their own bat. We are still, still hearing about this so-called British invasion from the 1980s when a bunch of uh, literate writers from the UK, uh, including the likes of Alan Moore, Grant Morrison, Peter Milligan, Neil Gaiman, I'm ticking off my fingers as I go, Garth Ennis, a whole bunch of them took America by storm and put out some really good comics. Uh, largely non-genre specific stuff, they were doing multiple kinds of stories, but also they introduced a new feel to superheroes, which are becoming a little dead. Here's the thing, this so-called invasion, they were hired. They were, they courted Karen Berger to get jobs. They were desperate to get work. They were, uh, the stories of Grant Morrison taking the train down to London, writing down notes on his foolscap pad, like, what am I going to write? Oh, Animal Man, what's Animal Man about? Oh, he he, he, he turns it down. Okay, Grant, I'll do that. Um, these guys were desperate to get into the States. They were desperate to make a living. 
working for a company like DC and later Marvel. The caravan of comics is an entirely different proposition. These guys are the merry pranksters of the comics world. They're not coming with begging cup in hand. They're coming to take over. This is a proper invasion. This is what it's all about. You go over there and you say, we're bloody awesome. Buy our books. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Mic drop. You know, that's that's what this is about. This is, you go out there, you tell them what you're about, you put your book out there, and then you go home. <laughs> Because you know you're better than that crap. Um, well, at least to the pub, and then yeah, um, yeah, I'm gonna drink, and then bitch about the comic industry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I really think that the talent assorted here is there are some fantastic books in the mix, um, some fantastic cartoonists in the mix. Gregor McKay is swiftly becoming one of my favorite comic creators, and uh, if you look at the video. On the Indiegogo page, he's bloody hysterical. Uh, Bruce Mutar as well. That man can do no wrong in my eyes. Uh, yeah, he's he, fantastic. He, he's producing some very challenging, very informed, very articulate stuff. Um, and you know, I mean, that 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 brings up an interesting point because in graphic novels, Melbourne, he's interviewed about how did he get into comics, and he actually says it was Watchmen. He saw Watchmen, and he said, okay. Well, this guy has taken superheroes and he's done something interesting with them, which means that comics are now ready for interesting stories. He didn't see it as, oh, I'm going to write a comic about people in capes raping each other. He saw it as, I'm going to write interesting stories, which is the proper lesson. That's exactly what you should take from Watchmen. Yeah, not not the raping. Not the raping. <laughs> Never that. Um, he went and started producing very personal, very intimate, very artistic work um, that also told great stories and The Silence is a fantastic book and that's what we're looking at here we're looking at the aftermath of comics enjoying a degree of seriousness a degree of critical reception and now we have Australians who actually are producing their own books which are go off in many divergent directions but are well told, mature well constructed and entertaining and that's what you want so, bloody hell, America, buy these guys' books. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think they'll just keep coming back until they take you over completely. Yeah, what I think is interesting is just some of the, uh, some of the places that they're going. Mm. Um, you know, uh, going to Toronto. Um, but the one that I see right at the very end, uh, May 23rd to 25th, the International Comic Arts Forum in Portland, Oregon. Portland seems to be where it's at for comics <laughs> in the states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it seems. I think it's like Melbourne in a way that you know the bad weather. You have to stay stay indoors all the time and produce comics. You know, maybe maybe that's what it is. But I do understand as well. There, there's a couple of really great quality um, comic book artists and, and indie comic book artists from Toronto as well, or at least Canada. One that one that springs to mind for myself is Marrowbones. Which was um, that's a great book that sort of smacked of Neil Gaiman, but was just a really fun book uh, by a guy named Eric Orchard. Um, so if you, yeah, I mean, if you're up for a bit of Canadian comic book action, look up Marrowbones and, and Eric Orchard and, and check that one out as well. But we're not here to talk about that. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Exactly. They, what I what I'm really excited about is you've they've got you've got them screening graphic novels Melbourne on May 8th 
in Toronto at the Carlton Cinema, which would be great to see how uh, Canadians, what the Canadians think of this uh, little film about a Melbourne five-year period in Melbourne's comic history. Then they're going to the Toronto Comics Arts Festival, May 11th to 12th. Liberty drawn in quarterly in Montreal, uh, Montreal maybe, May 15th. But my personal mecca, the one place I really want to go in America, uh, Fantagraphics Bookshop in Seattle, where they're going to be appearing on May 18th. I desperately want to go there. That looks like such an amazing store. And Fantagraphics are a great publisher. They put out some fantastic stuff. Yeah, they really do. And it does look like a really cool store as well. Mm. Um, but uh, overall, I mean, this is this is something to get behind, you know. We want these guys to get over there and to, to spread the gospel because it's all well and good for us to sit behind the mic. But uh, these, yeah. guys are, these guys are living and breathing it and they're, they're actually in the scene. Mm. You know? So, um, I mean, full support to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, um, I think the story of Australian comics is something that should go global. Um, while while we're talking about it, a special thank you should go out to Jacques Niem of Crisp Comic. They actually gave us a shout out there recently, which was really, really very much appreciated. And I think the story of Australian comics is interesting to people because they're seeing that something is going on down here and there's something worth taking note of. And when you've got people like Tom Taylor and Nicholas Scott making waves internationally, that is drawing attention back here. Yeah, I think it's something that maybe a lot of people don't realize, you know, we, yeah, we, we do comics as well. Mm, yeah, and they're good. They are good. <laughs> there's, there's absolutely uh, no doubts about that. If they weren't good, we wouldn't be doing the show. Mm. Well, um, as I was saying at the beginning, um, Supernova is coming up here in Melbourne shortly, uh, 12th, 13th and 14th, I believe, of April. And I'm going to be running around like a mad hatter trying to get people from the car to talk to me. I think Bruce will take pity on me at the very least. <laughs> but I'll see who else I can get. Because, yes, I think this is the kind of project that we can get behind as a podcast. And uh, it's the kind of thing that maybe we can do a bit to help promote internationally as well and put it out there that Americans should be reading Australian comics because, hell, we've been reading your stuff for years. So, you know, yeah. give and take. <laughs> cut, it, cut us a break, yeah? Yeah, yeah, man. Come on. You give us Rob Leefield. Jesus. <laughs> Jeez, he, he's becoming the new Tim McEwen. <laughs> oh, no. You can't say that in the same sentence. That's not uh, fair. Oh, I don't mean it like that. Not I, even for the excuse know, to take a drink. <laughs> I just mean that, you know, he comes up a lot, so we're going to have to drink for each one. I'm sorry, Tim. I didn't mean it like that. Oh, Tim. Tim, Tim, Tim. I'm not even going to drink for that one. <laughs> right. Letting that one go. <laughs> now, so just before we wrap up, I wanted to yeah. have a very quick uh, get well soon to Justin Randall, uh, yes. writer of Changing Ways, who's laid up at the moment and going through hell in a Perth hospital, as far as I understand. Okay. Uh, so all the best to Justin and um, a massive thanks to his wife, who is is doting on him and, and mm. looking after him hand and foot and also uh, looking after the family at the same time. Yeah, yeah, our thoughts are with you, man, and uh, get well soon. All right. Okay, well, um, uh, once again, folks, you can find us on bnthegeek.com, uh, Beard and the Geek, and you can find Mr. Ryan here on Geek of Oz. Isn't that right? Where else? Yes, can correct, geekofoz.com. So have a look, geekofoz.com, Facebook forward slash geekofoz, and also at Twitter forward slash geekofoz. And where can we find you? So, Emmett, 
I am on the Momus Report, which is themomusreport.blogspot.com.au, and you can drop me a line and just have a chat, really. Um, but you can also find Beardy and the Geek on Facebook, and we'd love for you to drop along and tell us what you think of the show. Uh, if there's anything, any Aussie books in particular you want us to take a look at, please do. Uh, we're... I don't think we're ever going to be short of stuff to talk about because that's what's great. It's uh, Australian comics is like a hologram. You think you you think you've got the entire surface, and then there's another layer, and there's another layer, and there's another layer. So um, yeah, let us know what you think of the show, and uh, we'll just keep chatting. And if you do see Emmett out and about, make sure you ask him where are the cupcakes. <laughs> oh, how was that? That was that was terrible, man. But thank well done. <laughs> no worries. Thanks, guys. All the best, folks. Cheers.